Welcome to Live to Grind. My name is Brennan C. Adams, serial entrepreneur, inventor, TV creator, and speaker, passionate about helping others create something great and become unforgettable. Join me each week to discuss practical ways to help you increase your income and impact as an influencer in your industry. My goal is to help you take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Brennan C. Adams, and this is episode 324. This is my three-year anniversary of this podcast show. You know, as he started, when it started out, it was University Young Entrepreneurs. About a year ago, we transitioned to Live to Grind. So three years podcasting is so crazy to think that I've been podcasting for three years. Time flies when you were living to grind. You know what? For this podcast show... I had to bring a special guest, and today you're going to be listening to the one and only Shay Hillenbrand, who is a former professional baseball player, two-time All-Star to be exact. He played for the Boston Red Sox. He played for the Dodgers, the Toronto Blue Jays. He played for the Diamondbacks. This guy is a stud. Not only that, he's actually one of the featured entrepreneurs for TV show Success in Your City. We just got to actually filming here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we just did a lot of great stuff, told his story, everything that he has went through, which he's going to talk about on the podcast show today. We even raised a bunch of money for the Boys and Girls Club. He actually donated a baseball field here in Chandler, in, or Chandler Arizona, and you know, Shay has just got a big heart and an amazing story, so I had to bring him on the show for a three-year anniversary, and what you're going to learn today, well, dude, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn about the journey of the grind, how he went, and he lived a grind, man. He put in the work. He made it to the major leagues, and just his struggle and journey in the process, it was not easy. Let me tell you something. It was definitely a grind, and his story is very inspiring. And how he made it to the major leagues, his process of literally how you could take anybody, his four-step process on becoming a baseball player and using that four-step process throughout life in anything, and he actually does boot camps and all kinds of training for this now. And he talks about one of the best experiences of his life on the baseball field. Talks about when he was making millions of dollars. He made over his career over $20 million. He actually had a chance to make $51 million, over $50 million in baseball, but he left it. He left it all. He left at the peak of his career to do his endeavor, well, his dream of owning a zoo. No joke. He talks about his journey of starting a zoo and what that was like for him and where he got to the point. He actually, by the way, dropped $5 million on this zoo and everything from doing the zoo, what he learned from that, and then losing it all. He literally lost everything and he almost died in the process and how he came back stronger than ever. And some things I took away and you should take away too is what are you grinding for? What is your purpose? For him, baseball was literally his life. And because of that, he lost some other areas of his life and didn't have as much time with family. And he made that transition. But he, I mean, he shares with you his fame, how, I mean, being on TV all the time, even meeting with the president of the United States and his career with baseball, being one of the best baseball players on the planet and transitioning to what he's doing now, selling real estate, a keynote speaker. One of the things we worked with him on, he's a great speaker, great story and inspiring and motivating others and with his nonprofit against all odds and just you're going to get a lot out of this and he he has so many value bombs here and he talks about how he's helping other baseball players transition out of the game and into the real world you know this show 
is not only a great story, but you will learn so much. Baseball, he shows how baseball can be so related to entrepreneurship and the grind and why you're actually doing what you're doing. What is the purpose of it? And he really just pounds us home for all you. So you're going to enjoy this show. Let's jump right into it with the one and only Shay Hillenbrand. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Bernie C. Adams. On today's show, we have the one and only Shay Hillenbrand. The one and only. The one and only, the only Shay Hillenbrand. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How you doing? Doing amazing. You know, I'm excited to hear your story. And for those of you out there, if you don't know Shay, well, you know Shay. Shay is a two-time All-Star baseball player. He's a badass that is a great speaker. He's done a lot of stuff in the baseball field, but now transitioning and in the speaking world and even real estate. And, you, well, you're the guy that we featured for the Scottsdale episode yeah. for Success in Your City, which I'm excited for the viewers to see that, man. Dude, the footage, you haven't even seen it yet. No, I haven't. Oh, you're like, let, let, let me see me. it. Let me see it. <laughs> but I want to I dive deep into your story. I want to, because I know your story, but I want everybody to hear your story of how you even got into baseball, the journey, the process, what it even takes to become a professional baseball player, and how you can actually apply that to everyday life. So dive, dive me back into the beginning with you and baseball and what even got you started? It's one of those things where I was, a, I was always athletic. I was that kid that was labeled with ADHD, OCD, all that garbage they have nowadays in schools that they're trying to take away from kids and isolate kids. That's what you need to get to the top. And I guarantee you all the entrepreneurs who are listening relate to that right now. So I was always outside throwing a baseball against the wall, throwing a football or, or kicking a soccer ball or just doing something to try to master the skills at whatever sport I was playing during that season because I played multiple sports. Yeah. Now all the kids are going to single sports because they're being forced to uh, by parents and coaches, and that's a, that's a big deterrent for being able to allow kids to be able to, uh, to, to evolve and grow and, and have a passion. Never listen to music. Uh, never watch TV. Uh, none of that stuff. Uh, my first time I ever listened to music was 14 years old in junior high in my ninth grade year, and it was yeah. Nelly Vanilli. Blame <laughs> me! Yeah. Any lip sync, right? Dude, and they didn't even sing the dang songs. They didn't even sing their own songs. It was yeah. a big, big disappointment. But uh, I was outside always, and I, it's so cliche, it's gay, it's stupid. It's like, I was grinding. You're grinding. <laughs> I was grinding, man. I was grinding all the time. And that was my, my, my happy place. That was my comfort place. I loved uh, to be able to do stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, I always tell everybody the last time uh, uh, baseball was fun for me was in Little League yeah. uh, because, because that's when you're there with your friends and having a good time and, and doing all that stuff. Um, but from then on, junior high, uh, high school, junior college, I was the best player uh, each of those levels. I was uh, uh, as well kicked off of every team. But you played soccer too, right? I played soccer. Like one of the best soccer players in Arizona? No, the best. The best. Um, <laughs> the best. <laughs> See, growing up in Southern California, that's where I grew up. You have uh, Soccer is huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, out here when I moved to Arizona my sophomore year of high school, uh, I, I pretty much believe we used cactus for goalposts <laughs> because uh, soccer wasn't that big yet. So yeah. uh, we're kind of ahead of the game out there in, in California. Uh, but uh, that's, how, that's how it evolved. I really didn't like football too much. Like I'm, I'm a super sensitive guy. My senses are really sensitive. Uh, like my sight, my hearing. Like I get like eagle eyes. Yeah. Uh, I could hear like insane. Like the touch, and I hated getting hit. 
I hated like getting tackled or whatever because I just go off. I like want to kick somebody like like a water boy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like hope I just double kick somebody. I couldn't control myself. Uh, so it must evolved into soccer and and baseball. So, uh, but like I said, uh, not many people know this about me. I was kicked off my junior high team. I was kicked off my high school team, and I was kicked off my junior college team. Why were you by, kicked off? But by, by three different stories in junior high, uh, I just I didn't I didn't play well with others. <laughs> you didn't fit in. Uh, definitely, you can't fit in, especially when you're an entrepreneur. You yeah. can't fit in. Uh, so, uh, uh, like, I was the best player in the junior high team. I'll just give you that story. Uh, uh, and I was playing shortstop, and our left fielder was my best friend. This is junior high. This is uh, my buddy from Nicaragua. So uh, he, he made a diving play, amazing ESPN play, and left field to end the inning. And the rule from our, our coach, who was a Spanish two teacher, which didn't you know anything about baseball, was after every inning, you had to bust in and run hard after the inning into the dugout. And I didn't do that because I was waiting for my, my buddy to see if he's okay, see yeah. if he's hurt. And as he jogged in, I kind of jogged in with him, and the coach started airing me out in the dugout. Like, you need to sit down. You didn't run in hard, whatever, just going off. And I basically told him what I thought about it. He used a few F words, uh, all that stuff, and he kicked me off the team. So uh, being a week off the team and the best player in the team, uh, my homeboys, my friends, my posse, all my friends went into the Spanish teacher and sat down with the meeting and said, could you please, please, please let Shea back on the team because he's the best player and we need him or else we're going to lose. And the Spanish teacher told my, my friends who were my teammates that if I apologize to him, oh. uh, go back on the team. So I went in, I apologized to him. Sorry about that, Mr. Tierney. I turned around, walked out, and I told him he was a fucking asshole. <laughs> he left. kept you? Well, he didn't hear that, but I said it loud enough for my friends could hear me. Uh, you have to always speak and envision things and, and project that out into the future <laughs> and let people know what you're about to do because that's how things happen. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> I, I can see you too. do that. You should write a book about the experience. So, so that happened. What was so? Talk, talk about because a lot of people don't understand. I mean, what is it like? Point zero zero one percent actually make it to the major leagues. It's insane. It's insane. After high school, the, the numbers is like uh, not even one percent of players play after high school. I mean, there's three million youth baseball players in the United States. That's from adolescent, maybe five, six years old, up to 18, up to high school. There's three million. That's not that's not Canada. That's not uh, Mexico. That's not Latin America. That's not Europe, and that's not Asia. That's probably another three million there. So three million youth baseball players, 1,500 out of three million, play professional baseball, and then 150 out of three million. Playing the big leagues. And even your situation, you were literally against all odds with it because you walked on for a college yeah, team, like, right? Like we said, I was the number one baseball player, uh, number one, excuse me, number one soccer player in Arizona. Uh, at the time, I wasn't that good at baseball. But I, I, I barely made league conference. I had no opportunities to go anywhere after high school to college to play baseball. My dream was to go to Arizona State. Uh, growing up in Southern California, I had an Arizona State watch, I had Arizona State shoes, Sun Devil this, that. Yep. I was a diehard Sun Devil player, uh, fan, and that's all I wanted to do. So when my family moved out here to Arizona uh, when I was in uh, high school, that was my vision, but I wasn't good enough. So I walked on at the local community college, uh, yep. Mesa Community College, and the only reason I made the team is because of my work ethic. 
And that's the thing I need to convey and want to convey. And it sounds so, so dumb and you always hear it is that's what it takes to get to the grind. Yeah. grind. You got to work. You got to work. I would outwork everybody. I was the first guy there, last guy to leave. And in the, the short amount of time I was at junior college, I became the number one baseball player uh, in junior college. Through grind, through persistence and just nonstop. So how long did it take from college to get to the point where you, what was your first team you went professional? Boston? Oh, check this out. So uh, as we, uh, I grew up in Southern California, diehard Dodger fan. Uh, to be a diehard Dodger fan in the 1980s, where I was in Southern California, uh, you show up in the third inning, leave in the seventh inning to beat traffic and beat listen traffic. to Vince Scully on the radio. And that's the consistency of a, a diehard Dodger fan. Uh, when I got drafted by the Red Sox out of junior college in 1996, I proceeded to tell all my friends and everybody around me that I got drafted by the White Sox. I had that's no how much idea. you knew about that. That's how much I knew, and that's how important the grind is. It doesn't, wear, it doesn't matter where you're at, man. you got to grind it because you just go. And all my friends would say, dude, what are you talking about, dude? You got drafted by the Red Sox, dude. Like the most prestigious baseball team of, of uh, the, the, the generations and been around for a century. And, and you didn't even know their name. Didn't even know their name. So I told all my friends, my answer to them was, Unequivocally, every single time. I don't care what socks it is. I'm going to the big leagues. So uh, that's what it was. I go to my first uh, professional uh, season of pro ball, and I proceed to win player of the year. I was yeah. the best player in the team. But they, what they don't tell you with Major League Baseball, and I think this cor- or professional baseball, excuse me, and I think this correlates to this discount in my mind right now, so much to entrepreneurship. You think it's glory, you think it's glam, you don't realize how much you got to work, uh, what it entails with it at the beginning, with no money being made, with the sacrifices and investments. What they don't tell professional that the kids coming up to professional baseball, that the, uh, like 90% of players, after they get drafted and signed, 90% after the first week want to quit. They kind of correlate to, to entrepreneurship. They want to quit. It's insane what you go through. I was making $650 a month. Half of that went to room and board. I was, I was living off of $300 a month playing professional baseball, driving on buses 13 hours after in the middle of the night and playing in these podunk towns in, uh, was it, Iowa? Iowa. <laughs> yeah, in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Cedar Rapids, yeah, Iowa, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's insane. So how did you... So And I quit. You quit. Well, you did quit. After my first year of Pro Bowl. I said, I'm out of here. I'm going to walk away. And I convinced myself that if I just come home, I want to be an entrepreneur. If I came home to be the manager at the textbook store across the street from junior college, I'll be, I'll be straight. I wanted to run a textbook You're going to be kidding me. So what brought you back? I called up the minor league director and, he, uh, and I told him uh, what I did. And he says, I think you're making a wrong decision. If you ever want to come back, uh, you're more than welcome to come back. So, this is pretty entertaining. This is entertaining because I'm learning so much more, and we just filmed with you for a week. (laughs) So, a week after, spring training started. A week after. I called him at 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, uh, I'd like to come back. He says, okay, come back. I haven't done anything. Yeah. I haven't thrown a baseball. You have to prepare, man. You can't just go out there and rock it. They haven't thrown a baseball, but I go out there at 5 o'clock every morning. Uh, People come out about 7.38. I'll be out there at 5 o'clock throwing the ball against the wall. Throwing a ball against the wall. Throwing a working, 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 working. And I got player of the year again. <laughs> and you were playing what position? Uh, shortstop. Shortstop. And I got switched to uh, catcher. Yep. And I played uh, first base, third base. I got drafted as a shortstop. At the Red Sox. With the Red Sox. White Sox. Uh, is that what it was? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, as a shortstop. And I was I was top player in Arizona for junior colleges. And the first 10 games in professional baseball, I made 14 errors of shortstop. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but you learned. 
I became a two-time all-star third baseman. And I still didn't know how to field a ground ball. So when you got... Talk about the money side. So you were grinding. You were making no money, barely to live. At what point did you sign the biggest the deal that, I mean, you made it? So you don't, you don't make any money until you get to the big leagues. And then once you get to the big leagues your first year, I mean, just the lifestyle, just the glory, just the glam, just like a tree like a god. Everywhere you go, it's, just, it's insane. You're living a celebrity life. Yeah. And when I was, I think the league minimum now is 500 something thousand dollars. When I was in the big leagues, uh, my first year was $260,000 was the league minimum. Uh, but you don't really make any money until after your third year. That's when you become arbitration eligible. And I went from uh, $460,000 to $3.8 million. $3.8 million 3. for 8 one year. $3.8 million. And the first purchase I bought in the major leagues wasn't a house for my mom, wasn't a house for myself. Because a lot of people do that when they play professional baseball. When you get that check or when you're professional athletes, you gotta, you got to give back for your parents or whatever. They buy themselves a car. I bought myself a horse. How much was a horse? Uh, $4,000. That was it? I was pimping. You bought a horse. A quarter horse named Coors Light. I always told myself when I was a kid, like I told you, you got to vision it. Yeah. I always told myself I was going to buy a horse and whenever I got the first chance, and that's what I did. I'm curious to hear, what was that feeling when you realized you were signing a three-point, I mean, that you were going to be a multimillionaire? What was that feeling like? Did it phase you? That's a great question because uh, I was so grinding so much because of where I was. I never thought I was good enough. And I never thought I, I had made it. Uh, I never thought that uh, uh, I, I belonged. I was always trying to prove myself because the story I told myself at 14 years old. But the thing is, is like we would get paid every two weeks. Uh, at the end of my career, I was making $360,000 every two weeks after taxes. It was paid like 180000 But I never once ever in my whole career sat there and said, dude, I'm a multimillionaire. Like I never enjoyed it. So that was, that was a tough thing, and that's what I would like to, like to convey to people is that you got to have that balance, and I couldn't enjoy the journey. I couldn't enjoy... You're so caught uh, up in the game. The, 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 I was always having to produce, having to produce, having to produce. I was seeking the approval. I was seeking the, the acceptance. I was seeking all that stuff my whole career because, like I said, the story I told myself at 14 years old, but, but that's the thing that's, that's tough because I never enjoyed it. I flew private jets. I hung out with the president. I hung out with movie stars. I did commercials. Uh, I was in different movies. I was. I've done. I lived the life uh, that that so many kids nowadays would just absolutely dream die of. for. But Don't you die. you didn't I even ex, you didn't really experience the experience. You couldn't. You couldn't. And, that, and it correlates to like ninety eight percent of successful CEOs, ninety eight percent of entrepreneurs. Uh, like like, did Steve Jobs really enjoy himself? Steve Jobs is his one goal and his vision in, in, in his life was to change the world. But did he change the world within himself? Yeah, I know. Because if he died, it doesn't matter. Like it's just crazy the value and and, and through the ups and the downs and the and the turbulation and the turbulence I had is that uh, I really realized like the purpose, like like what is the purpose of life? And that's the big thing: establishing your why, establishing your why for what you want to do, and that has to be set and ingrained into your belief system. Before you go out and start out and do anything. So for you to, and I want to get in the details of how you became so successful in baseball. But thing for you is your why is you were driven by anger to yeah. be, become successful. Yeah. But let's talk about the technical side. What is the formula to be able to be great at baseball beyond the grind? It's 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 the same formula across the board. I've, I've done talks. I've done speeches. I've done. Uh, mm-hmm presentations in areas where I've been in front of uh, very, very successful people that had multi-millions. Uh, I've, I've, I've talked in front of 
uh, Secret Service, CIA, like retired, like people that are like amazing at what they did with yeah. with like with the military, with all that stuff. And it's the same thing across the board. It's all in the process. You got to establish that process, and you got to get that routine down because our minds are routine oriented, and you have to have your mind specifically fixated on one thing, a specific focus, a specific thought, and that's what you and I have a challenge at because we're visionary, yeah. right? We think we could change the world, but you can't do it if you don't start and stay specific. And that's where I always go to, like the the Apple concept, like all the way down. They wanted to create the best product. And then they mastered that product all the way down to the packaging. I love open. I'd, I'd rather open up an Apple product than a Christmas present. I know, right? The packaging, it's how so it's in cool. there, like the thought and the. And I even kept my packaging. Right, I did too. It was in like, a closet what somewhere. What do I do this for, dude? Yeah. <laughs> for Fifteen years, you know. So it's like that's how it is. It's specific and stay stay focused on that thing. Laser focus, and, and, and just doing it. So I mean, I've swung a bat, a baseball bat, a million times. But the thing is, is that. I'd be an idiot, and I always think of like Tony Robbins, that like he says, I've spoken to four, five, six million people around the world, and everybody's human needs, the six human needs are the same. I'd be an idiot if I didn't know how to do it, because he's done it so much. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's what gets you there, is the self-confidence, is the grind, and doing it every day. It's going out there and taking delight in the work and discipline it takes to go out and grind and master the platform and the field that you're in. You can't take delight in the in the result. You have to take, take delight in the process and, and the discipline it takes to go out there and grind it when everybody else is sleeping. Yeah. Right. And that's what you do, and that's yeah. that's how that's how we how we relate. But incorporating that process, I can't just go out and swing a bat aimlessly, mindlessly. Uh, uh, I mean, I take forty thousand swings in the off season, but every swing I took, I had a process of what I did. I knew where I was going to hit it, the direction. And then I focused on the ball. Then I allowed myself to achieve my loading mechanism. Then I felt what it felt like to hit the baseball where I was trying to hit it with the direction. That's just like baseball. Yep. And I did that over and over and over and over. When you do that, have your mind specifically focused on one thing, then, then you can ingrain that feeling into your nervous system and, and file those feels. So in a game, I'm just working off intuition. But it's all in how you work. It's just like preparing for a speech or going to present. You're just out there feeling it and going with the flow, but you got to prepare and doing that and rocking it. It becomes a part of you. You, you no longer think. You just react. And you have to do it so many times. You can't just do it. And people with talent, people that are smart, they just they just go out there and just do it. But there's no substance to it. There's no. It, it doesn't just it just doesn't stick within you. And you can't just write off talent. You might be talented at, 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 at script writing. You might be talented at, at doing certain things. But, but the work is what separates you from the rest. From the rest. And you put in the work, clearly. 100%. What I always use when I talk to the kids is, uh, is uh, uh, Will Smith analogy. Yeah, I love we're, it. We're, we're on a treadmill. And the competition for the treadmill is that we're, we're, we're going to see who stays on the treadmill the longest. I make it real simple. And it's like, when I listened to him, I was like, oh my gosh, that was me. There's only two options that go through my mind on that treadmill. Either I'm going to win or I'm going to die trying. Yep. There ain't no cramp. There ain't no side ache. There ain't no other time. I will pass out and I will die before I give up and let you beat me. And that's how you have to have success in entrepreneurship. And I think that might be the disconnect and what 
uh, the younger entrepreneurs need because uh, they need to feel like they're adding value. They need instant gratification. Yep. They need they need to be able. It's a to, long game, man. But it's just like you can't add value. I mean, you got guys that uh, entrepreneurs that graduate high school, they get with the company or they start doing something, and they're like, dude, I haven't added value. Like you only been here eight months. You know what I mean? Like, put years. Like, like you, you get right. You got to rock it, man. But your why has to be strong enough in order for you to want to grind it. Because how many days, like you, like I can't tell you how many days I woke up, like through the journey of playing baseball. That I mean, we're doing it eight months out of the year every day, and then we take three weeks off, and then we train in the off season for another uh, three months straight, three months in, in a week straight. So you're doing it like. 11 months out of the year, like grinding baseball. It's insane, dude. Like, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit. And it's like, what am I doing? Like, this like, is stupid. Like, I'm, a, but that, that why, that something that resonates in you when you're pursuing what makes you tick is what keeps you going. It's overnight success, years in the making. It's like when you found out that you had your $3.2 million sign, that took you how long of, I mean, getting $750 a month and then getting a little more. And then finally you got to that moment. How old were you when you hit? That moment where you realized you'd make 20, $3.8 million. I was 25 and I was in the big leagues. And as I already said, I was too old. But I was 26 years old. Uh, I'm just flipping through June. Uh, the All-Star Games in July. Uh, early June, I was flipping through ESPN. And I saw I was leading the All-Star votes for the starting third baseman uh, for the All-Star Game in the American League. And it's like, what? Like, I was so immersed into the grind. I've hit a game-winning home run off Mariano Rivera at Fenway Park, the first guy to ever do it. And all my teammates after the game went out and celebrated with arguably the best fans in baseball, the Red Sox fans. Yeah. And I went straight home. I didn't even celebrate. And I convinced myself that I got to grind. I got to grind. I got to do it. I never enjoyed it because I, I just I couldn't have success if I didn't grind it. So I couldn't find that balance. What, what was, the, was that your greatest moment? I was going to ask you, what, what was the greatest moment in your baseball career that you'll never forget? Uh, that uh, hitting game winning, I felt like David beating Goliath. That guy's like the best ever, you know, a uh, uh, closer uh, in in baseball, Hall of Famer. And it's funny because I just got invited uh, last week to his golf tournament. Which one? Tampa, Mariano Rivera. Oh, nice. He's going to have me golf in his golf tournament. That's awesome. I'm going to interview him, dude. Mariano, what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, I, I got a, a Facebook. Uh, message the other day and I was like, is this real? That's like, funny. Like they invited me, so uh, Christy, my wife, and I are going to go out there and do some networking. Good for you, man. Baseball players. That. And then uh, you know, playing in the All-Star game. I started at third base in the All-Star game in 2002 uh, in front of millions, millions, millions of people. Uh, I had to have four beers before the game uh, just to calm my nerves. I felt like uh, standing at the altar with my wife. My knees were shaking. I'm like, Nervous. I can't tell you what it's like. You know, my idol, because uh, I, like I told you, I, I was a catcher. I kind of came up as a catcher through the Red Sox organization, and I idolized Mike Piazza. Uh, he played for the, the – he got drafted, one of the last draft picks for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He just got inducted to the Hall of Fame, but he was a big catcher, and he could hit. And that's kind of how I was. I could hit, and I did, was an average catcher. And uh, I idolized him. Like, I'm like, dude, I want to be like that guy someday. 2000, fast forward, he's playing for the Mets, 2002 All-Star game. I'm walking to home plate. I'm the second hitter of the game. And Mike Piazza's standing right there. Like, my idol. And, like, it's just the process set in for me. Like, dude, I'm there. Like, I can't imagine, like, like maybe, like, with entrepreneurs, like, just sitting there, like, idolize Richard Branson or, or yeah. even, like, uh, Kevin Harrington or something like that. And all of a sudden, you're just like... What, dude? Like, chilling. He's like, hey, what's going on, Shane? Congratulations. Like, he knew me, dude. I was like, what? Like, I can't even imagine what's going on right now, dude. That, that, that makes me think, too. Like, when I was even studying Kevin Harrington and everything, I didn't know him. And all of a sudden, it wasn't until the moment where I was actually working with him and we were partners and just texting each other. And I'm like, 
this is crazy. Like this guy is who I idled and now we're business partners. And what got you to that position? Yeah. The grind. The grind. You never know. And that's the thing is, whether you believe in God or you believe in the universe, uh, you have to speak it into the universe. You have to make it tangible. You have to attach your senses because our mind can't discern the difference between imagination and reality. And I can't tell you how many times I sat there and cashed that paycheck and sat there and hit that game-winning home run in a major league stadium and listened to the crowd roar when I was in junior high, when I was in high yeah, school, you visualized when I was it. in the minor leagues, all that stuff. Like, I'm telling you, I have no idea how I got there. I was a two-time All-Star third baseman. I want to use this as a tagline to teach. Yeah. My wife won't let me do it. She's like, you can't do that. It makes you look bad. I was a two-time All-Star third baseman, and I had no clue how to field a ground ball. <laughs> I go to the 2005 All-Star game. I come in as a defensive replacement. There's a picture on the internet with the ground ball coming at me. Uh, I was a defensive replacement in the ninth inning in 2005 All-Star game. I was playing for the Toronto Blue Jays. There was one ground ball hit to me. It was an absolute missile, and it was hit off my leg. I didn't even get my glove on it. It was hit that hard. Ball fell down, threw him out of first base, got him out. And when you get done with the All-Star game, you go back to your team that you're playing on. So I go back to the clubhouse in Toronto, and all the teammates that, that are there, they're like, they're envious of you because they want to become an All-Star, and they yeah. weren't there. They're like, hey, dude, say, what's going on? How was the All-Star game? I was like, you want to know how the All-Star game was? I pulled down my pants in the clubhouse. And I said, yeah, right That's how the All-Star game was. It sucked! <laughs> Although I was flying on a nice private jet. In private jet and all this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just amazing. All these experiences you had and you weren't even, I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there, they need to enjoy the journey yeah. because if you don't, like you said, you get to this all-star moment and you're not even happy. You're not even appreciating the moment. Can't. I didn't. And that was in the grind. And that's what I think with a lot of young, young entrepreneurs, the, the younger generation, uh, you need instant gratification. You need uh, confidence. You need, like it's hard because there's a disconnect because it's just the way society is, the way technology is. Like, I think, uh, like to be a leader, you have to have sympathy and empathy. So empathy and understanding of who you're leading. Like, we have mm-hmm. to have an understanding of, of who these guys are, who these gals are. And I think that's what separates me now with my nonprofit foundation, with creating these programs and this curriculum and going around and speaking to kids uh, all around the, the North America, is that what I'm seeing is uh, there's a huge disconnect from... Uh, the coaches and the players because just the, the language is different, man. Like when I was a kid, just tell me, I, I go figure out how to hit the ball. Yeah. Like I just go out there and grind it because I love the game. You know, everything's like technology now. Everything's numbers now. Everything's like they see those dollar signs and all that stuff. And, and if you're seeking that, it's, it's different. It's empty. You got to focus on what you love. Absolutely. And what I teach you, you got to take delight. And the process. You gotta take delight in the discipline it takes to go out there. You can't take delight in the, in the end because uh, it'll ruin you. Like, like I did it. Like, I, I mean, I was uh, my seventh year in the major leagues, I was making uh, six and a half million dollars and uh, playing in Anaheim mm-hmm. with the Angels. And I mean, I was flying private jets. I had a million dollar mansion. I had multi- three of three houses and everything in the moon. And the first word out of my mouth every single day when I woke up subconsciously. Uh, the way I've ingrained myself, the first word out of my mouth was the F word. Ah! My wife's like, what's wrong with you, dude? I was like, I, I sold my soul to the game. Like, I grinded it so much that I, like, I, I just, you got to immerse yourself so much into it and, the, and what, the, what the game demands and what that level demands. You, you don't live a normal life. 
so that entrepreneurs that are seeking that star stat and they're looking at these, these mega successful entrepreneurs, the Richard Branson's, the Kevin Harrington's, the, the Steve Jobs, or whomever it might be. Uh, who's successful now? It's like they don't live a normal life, dude. No, they don't live the norm. Ninety-eight percent of successful CEOs and entrepreneurs are family sacrifice because you got to be married to the game. You got to be married to what you're doing. You have to be one hundred percent immersed. So you have a difficult time finding a balance, and, and and to find that balance internally. So so between your mind, your body, and your spirit, all that stuff of how we're created and made up, uh, there has to be a balance. If not. You're going to seek external fixes to fill that void, whether it's success, whether it's drugs, alcohol, uh, uh, anything, sex, all that stuff. And, and I experienced all that stuff uh, through the process of wanting to become a major leaguer when I was sitting at the top of the stadium when I was nine years old. I mean, all the way to the top. And that process took me back to the bottom, you know, like, like a lot of people go through. And that's what I share with my story. And, and coming back up now... Like I, I'm so on fire and I'm so uh, uh, so centered and understanding of what I want to do and clear and precise uh, of pursuing of utilizing my talents and everything that I have just to make somebody's life better on a daily basis. And if you do that, things come to you. Things start coming to me. Opportunities. Just sitting here on the couch with you. Yeah. Came to me like I don't even know how I'm doing this right now, man. You know what I mean? So like that came to me just by pursuing what I'm supposed to do and and portraying. And making other people, providing value to other people. And that's a big thing I'd like to share with entrepreneurs is you got to provide so much value that they can't say no. You know what I mean? That's what you do to the T. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's your motto. You know? And it's a good feeling doing that rather than take, 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 take. If you give somebody so much, they can't say no. So that transition. So obviously you were at the top of your game, all these things. And, and you realize like, okay, there's more to life. Talk about you stepping away from the game. What was that like when you left the game of baseball and in that process? It was, a, it was a really, really difficult time in my life. I was in the prime of my Major League Baseball career at 32 years old, and I was set to make at least $50 more million playing baseball. But when I came home, my kid— $51 million. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have three adopted children. And when I came home after my seventh season, uh, it really hit me that uh, my kids were not in a good spot with with where they were at. Um, I'm trying to tactfully put it to where um, their adopted mother, my uh, ex-wife, really wasn't, uh, I don't know, it was a tough situation. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I came home and that pain was pretty, pretty deep inside myself with the story I told myself, seeking success. I'm telling you, man, the ultimate failure is success without fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. I've heard uh, Tony Robbins say that over and over. And I'm like, dude, stop saying that because that was me. But it's pretty cool because I can relate to a lot of people. Uh, So much success, but I was empty. And I uh, kept coming home, and, and uh, I convinced myself uh, in the prime of my career, if I just uh, come home and be a father to my three children that I absolutely adored and wanted my whole life with all the success I had, I wanted to be a father. I wanted to have children. Uh, my ex-wife, uh, at, my wife at the time, we tried to have children. We couldn't have them, so we adopted. And uh, uh, I convinced myself if I come home and be a father to my kids and pursue my second dream, passion of owning a zoo. Owning a zoo. Owning a zoo. Uh, I always say uh, there's a movie with Matt Damon. We bought a zoo. And there's a point in time in that movie to where uh, he is dumping so much money, so much time, and so much effort into this project because he loves what that, that, that concept of the animals and what they can provide. He's, he's behind this uh, little outhouse 
bent over, doubled over, throwing up because of the stress of him losing. Like, that was me. And I was like, oh my gosh. But that was me. I, I bought a zoo. I bought a $5 million horse farm. Um, had 300 farming exotic animals, camels, kangaroos, llamas, alpacas, Jeez. monkeys, raccoons, llamas, pigs, everything on the moon. But what was cool is my animals were rescued and I would rehabilitate them with unconditional love. I'd give them medical, like these animals have been abandoned, abused, neglected, and I had this vision of, of restoring and rehabilitating these animals with my unconditional love. And then when they come in, I'm telling you, it's crazy stuff. I know animals more than I know baseball. These animals would come in, their soul would be gone, and they had like a blank stare, and I'd sit there and I'd just love on them and caress them and just pour into them. I felt like Noah in the Bible, man. Like, it's like, ah, let's get two more. <laughs> so I'd sit there. Shay's oh, Ark. Yeah, so, so my Son's name is Noah. So, <laughs> so, so I, the, 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 this light would go on, and their soul would light up. And I said, "This animal's ready. Put him out." I had 15 employees at my farm, and uh, we'd put these animals in a, in a petting zoo environment. Each one of my animals, which was cool, had a name, a personality, a history, and a background that correlated, that related to the kids that we'd have out. And that's wow. where against all odds. Yeah. formed because I take these animals and that's where I got the voice is I want to be a voice for the animals and the kids that and put them together and it is insane because I'd have inner city disabled and child crisis kids come out and kids lives would be transformed on the spot with just the love and the connection with these animals I have story after story I had an autistic boy that came to my farm who's four years old he's been in my in the caregiver group out here in Arizona or Mesa Seek Arizona he's been in the caregiver group for two years they've been trying to get him to talk he's severely autistic he jumped on my inflatable moon bounces inflatable bouncies and he went in and interacted with my goats and he started talking and the caregivers were just like crying. They're just like, oh my gosh, you're God. So I'm like, I'm nothing, dude. I just have a vision and I have a why so strong and I have the money to back it. And I put these animals, the animals are doing it. And I've had story after story that superseded above and beyond anything I ever did on a baseball field. But it came at a steep price because I was not an entrepreneur. <laughs> but I had a lot of money. And you're spending a lot of money. It came at a steep price. I was spending $34,000 a month on my mortgage. Uh, not just the just feed, a mortgage, just not the even mortgage. the employees, the, Nothing. the feed. Yeah, I, was, I was funding the whole project. It was like a, almost like a big uh, hobby. But I had a vision. And the, and the thing is, is like the same thing. I took that Will Smith concept to this, and it taught me a big learning lesson. My only option was I was going to be on top of the world with this farm, or I was going to be on the streets. That was my only two options. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna leave. I wasn't. I was so committed to the, the community. I was so committed to the animals. I was so committed to the, the kids. I had. I built this uh, empire. This big, big project that was changed. The mayor would come out. Like it was like I quickly became the guy who owned Marley Farms and not the two-time all-star in the big leagues. Everywhere I went, dude, you transition you, your brand. They're like, you, you, own, you own Marley Farms? I was like, yeah, dude, like, I, I could hit too. <laughs> you know <what laughs> they didn't I mean? even know the they baseball player. Who's that guy? That's how powerful it was. It, it was insane. So, uh, you know, one day I found myself on my knees asking the Lord to take my life because uh, I received my third foreclosure notice on my horse farm. My, my 15-year marriage was falling apart and I, I was losing everything in my life. And uh, when you're the best at what you do in junior high, high school, junior college, minor leagues, and the major leagues, all the way up to the top, you don't really have to work on character. You have to work on relationships. All you have is being an athlete. Entrepreneurship is a different thing because it's all about relationships. Yeah, it right? is. So that was difficult for me to transition into entrepreneurship because... If, if I'd had altercation at my feed store, because I had a feed store, or somebody say something on my farm, I'd just tell them to F off and get out and they give their money back. Not really good at brand building. No, right? <laughs> that relationship's gone. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I pissed off a lot of people because I was hurt. Yeah. Because they didn't see what I was doing. Uh, all the people in that, that community, that world was like, oh, it must be nice to be a major league baseball player to have all this money to be able to do this and that. And that. They never saw what you, you had to go through, man. It's insane. I was just doing my part, man. Like, I was blessed to be able to do a little bit more, so I gave a little bit more. I rescued and adopted out over a thousand dogs. Uh, in four years, like I just, just so much to help kids' lives, but it, like I said, it came at a steep price, and, and it was good because when I had everything stripped from me, when I say everything, I had everything. I was, you lost all your money, your everything. wife, everything. Everything. I lost everything. I, I had two of my three kids that I quit baseball for. Didn't even want to be around me. Nothing. So I, I had everything stripped, and then th- that's what it took for me to have to work on myself. What was that rock bot? Tell me about that rock bottom moment for you when you lost it all. It's uh, it's uh, even thinking about it right now. It's 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 difficult. I've, I've I've put it in its place and processed it, and it's like I don't ever want to go back there. Like that's what drives me now is is that because I know what it's like to not to have electricity in your million dollar house. I know what it's not like to not have food. There's one day, four day span where I didn't eat for four days. Not because I was fasting. It's because I didn't have any money to eat. <laughs> And nothing. I was by myself, belly over, in my closet, and on my knees, just praying and praying and praying. Like, what do I? What do I do? I hurt so bad that I didn't know what to do. Like, see, Major League Baseball didn't do it. All the fame, the glory, uh, all the money, none of that did it. Um, I'm doing my, my second dream with the animals, uh, rescuing animals, saving kids' lives, like all that. It didn't do it. I had to work on myself. So you were trying to seek fulfillment, and that was your outlet for doing all these things. Everything. What? What was it that did it for you? Um, just realizing what was going on with you. Uh, just, I mean, all the way down to my last breath of, of, of almost dying one night in, in my van where I was living and, and not knowing what, what's going to be the next, next second, the next day. Uh, like I had no idea. Like I let go one night and, uh, I didn't know if I died or fell asleep, but the next day I woke up, uh, after taking 15 sleeping bills, eight ibuprofen, eight hundreds. And I don't know how many drinks of alcohol, just to numb the pain. And when you're a successful athlete or an entrepreneur or whatever, when you grind, you have to have an obsessive personality. And if you don't have that monetize in moderation, it's it's one of those things to where it could be you, your mind can get toxic real quick. So, um, but the, the next day when I woke up, I, uh, I I had an aha moment. Like I I don't know, like no side effects, no nothing. It was was really really interesting. And that was like weird because the alcohol and the concoction of pills I took the night night before, I should have either been in a hospital or dead. And uh, I was perfectly fine. No side effects, nothing. So uh, that's kind of like the aha moment of... So what from the aha moment, what happened next? What happened next? Okay, you're going there, right? Yeah, we're going there. The next thought, the very next thought was uh, uh, of waking up and coming to and realizing I had no side effects was where's my horse? And this is four years after I lost my farm and after I lost everything in my life. Four years later, I sat parked for like four years. I didn't want anybody's help. I just wanted to sit down and do nothing and pout because I tried so hard and I couldn't figure it out. Every day I woke up, I was in pain. I hurt. I wasn't that guy that just bounced back. I was that guy that just like, can't you see what I did? Like I did all this and, and I helped all these people and I did all this and it means nothing, man, at the end of the day. Because happiness and fulfillment comes from within. So the next thought was, where's my horse? And like I said earlier, the first purchase in my, uh, uh, when I got to the big leagues was a horse. So I reached out to my friend because that horse, when, you know, the thought creates an emotion. 
And whatever emotion that is, a lot of the emotions in my life at that time were negative emotions. Those negative thoughts from the programming creates negative emotions. So I'd just be negative, 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 and I almost died the night before. And when I woke up and I thought about my horse, it created a good feeling. Mm-hmm. So I was just, I've been trained to go off that good feeling to train, uh, to, to go out and have success in what I did with baseball, that I tried to ride that good feeling. I called my friend, I said, uh, <clears throat> can you help me find my horse? And his response was, what horse? He had 56 horses. Yeah. But this is a friend that helped me get rid of all my animals when I lost my farm. I said, no, the horse. He said, Coors Light? I said, yeah. So he reached out. He kind of went on this reconnaissance mission. And he's like, I'll find it for you. I don't know how he did it or whatever, but he called me back that night. He says, reach out to this person on Facebook because this person has your horse. And I went back to my van that night down by the river, uh, not, uh, not to a house or anything like that or what I had before. And I reached out to that person on Facebook through Facebook Messenger. And I said, do you have my horse? And instantly that person responded back to me and said, uh, why? And I was like, oh, uh, I don't know how to respond right now, dude, because I'm not going to tell that person, like, hey, dude, like, I was just on my deathbed, and I took all these drug pills and, and drinks. And I just want my damn horse, man. <laughs> You're my damn horse. <laughs> so uh, uh, the reason why that person said why is because that person was going through a divorce, and that person sent that horse to Utah the day before. And this is kind of like how my life's always worked because, like, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I have a purpose, I have a calling, I, I need to speak, I got a message to share. But it's always worked out with things that, that you know, God steps in uh, or whatever, uh, if you want to call it the universe or whatever it is, uh, whatever uh, steps in. And that person was going through divorce. That's why the day before, that the person sent the horse to Utah. And me being a believer, uh, like the four years before that, uh, I mean, this is after two failed marriages, after uh, not having anything. Yeah, I was sleeping on a friend's couch in the ghetto, uh, uh, just previous to that instance, and uh, I mean, just the low point of my life. And I'd pray to God every night, and I'd say, "My God, just I know that woman's out there for me. I know that I know that woman's out there for me. I know you have a woman for me because you see my heart. You see the purity of who I am and what I am. And and I just my mind got twisted." See, see, your mind gets twisted when, when you have a vision of the future and it gets stripped of you of being a professional athlete uh, or whatever you do. Yeah. And uh, I'd sit there and pray. But, but long story short, that woman that uh, had that horse didn't only prove to be uh, when I took her hand in marriage. She's my wife today. And she's the mother of my three children I've been praying for for forever. And it, I don't even know how. That's so crazy, man. I don't know how. I don't that's know. who had your horse. That's who had my horse. It's my wife today. And it's funny because everybody always says, how do you guys meet? She says, shut up. <laughs> she don't want to tell the story. Because <laughs> we actually met four years before that because she used to shop at my feed store. And we're, she did horses at my farm and stuff like that. She didn't do horses. She rode horses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but uh, <clears throat> she had rescued some puppies from a neighbor that, that wasn't taking care of some puppies. And the puppies had parvo. Parvo is a viral disease for, for dogs. That's like a 50-50. Uh, it's like a flip of a coin to see if they'll yeah. survive. And you can't take puppies that have parvo to veterinarians because it's extremely contagious. It's like insane. Like the flu, it'll kill them. So what happens is, is uh, when the puppies have parvo, it will, uh, it will dehydrate their organs and then they'll die. Yeah. So you got, there's only two things you can do. You can give them anti-vomit medication and just give them fluids. And their will is what keeps those animals alive. So long story short, after taking these puppies to all these vets, they would do, Kristen brought them to the farm one day, and I was in, in, uh, working with the horses. She says, can you help me with these puppies? And I said, yeah, I'll help you. And everybody said, no. I've done this so many times with puppies. I said, I'll help you out. And uh, uh, a couple of those puppies lived. 
So crazy, so, man. So through that, like I told you, like I know animals way more than I know, know baseball. And that's my passion. So, okay. So found the, the girl, your dreams, you had the family, wife, everything, everything. Greenhouse, going back on top, speaking to schools, prisons, churches, doing my thing and still empty, still hurting. So what was it? Still hurting. Still hurting, dude. I can lay in bed at night and I still have a little bit of that pain inside. I'm like, what is it? So I do what most men do. Uh, I had my own closet in my master bedroom. So I went in there and throw a little man, little biatch temper tantrum, throwing clothes around. <laughs> Close the door, obviously. Like, what is it? What do I need to do? So I... Ah, ah, ah. And I was like, against all odds. That's all I know. I kept going. So the next day, I'm sitting on the front porch of my house going through Facebook, because we're gonna go through Facebook, social media is the number one yeah. platform to be able to, to network and, and advertise, and I come across this ad from this pretty little preppy guy from Southern California, <laughs> and uh, it says, tell your story in four steps. So uh, I purchased this program, spent my last like $150, my wife was paying for everything at the time, yeah. uh, which is the worst film Ted, in the world. Ted McGrath, right? Yeah, Ted McGrath. Yeah. Pretty it's funny because we boy. shared the stage before, yeah, Ted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I should say pretty late. Uh, <laughs> does that suit him pretty good? Probably, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ted. Uh, <laughs> Ted, you helped. <laughs> you saved my life, man. So long story short, there's four steps, there's, there's four parts of the story. There's a call to action, there's a pit, there's a search, and then there's a breakthrough. And a call to action is a first step and I sat there for three or four days like what is this I want to figure this out because I've been sharing my story all over and that's what I love doing because you can tell the passion that I have is but I've been like not really impactful because I'm just all over the place because I have so many stories and I sat there for three or four days and I'm like dude what is it what is it what is it and uh, the call to action is when something's going you know good in your life and you have an instant in your life that uh, an incident that happens and it starts going bad and I think back like okay oh my gosh I'm 14 years old and I'm sitting on my bed and my dad walks into my room and tells me that he's going to uproot our family from beautiful Southern California to a hot desert of Arizona. This was after my ninth grade year going into my 10th grade year. Ninth grade year back then was junior high. Yeah. So I was just going into high school. So it was really, really difficult because I had my friends. I had the ideal childhood and I was just uprooted and moved to Arizona. So the story I told myself when my dad left the room was I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. And my dad doesn't love me. And with the obsessiveness, the OCD, like I talked about, with uh, the cons- obsessive compulsive disorder, with the, OCD, the ADHD, all that stuff, I decided when I left California to move to Arizona that I wanted to become a little achiever through athletics mm-hmm. to get acceptance and approval and love from my parents. Because that's the story I told myself. If I just do this, my dad's bound to love me. And all the way through my Major League Baseball career, all the way through my life, from 14 years old to 41 years old, this is like last year, uh, the beginning of last year, that's the story I told myself. And when I purchased this program with Ted McGrath, and I bought this, and I went to the call to action, and when my dad walked into my room, and I was 14 years old, and I was sitting on my bed, that's when like reality kicked in, like, oh my gosh, like, I'm telling you, like, I've had this successful life that people would just dream of, envy, like, all that stuff, and we deal with the same stuff as everybody else deals with, right, so, uh, just that story and the understanding, like, oh my gosh, what I was telling myself was so wrong, it was a wrong story, because my dad loved me so much, that he moved us from Southern California to Arizona to give me a chance to play baseball, because he saw something in me but I couldn't see myself because of where I was at in my adolescence. See, my dad wanted to stay in Southern California. My family wanted to stay there. They all sacrificed it 
from me. It was the other way around. You thought they were doing to punish you. The other way around. Like, how can you do this for me? I'm telling you, in the All-Star game, my dad's sitting at the top of the stadium, and I'm down there on the field, and, and my, my, he's telling all the ushers and security guards and fans around him, like, there's my boy down there playing third base. Like, what are you doing up here? Like, why aren't mm-hmm. you down there? And I'm looking up at him on the field, and I'm just like, F him, dude. This guy's like, I hate him. Because that story I told myself. See, a breakthrough happens at an instant moment in time. It doesn't take a week. doesn't take a little just It can happen, boom, instantly. With a moment of instant realization, like all that pain just dissipated. It was just gone. And I fell on my knees and like, like just all this unworthiness fell off of me. And I started just crying and weeping like a little baby, like, like of being free. Mm-hmm. Like, like. Like I, that, that was the biggest achievement of my whole life right there is just grinding it. And that, that's it. this came to mind too. And I never talked about this is, is grinding it and figuring out your story, grinding it and figuring out your why, grinding it and figuring out your purpose, grinding it there more so than what you're doing. And Oprah says it best. You're in charge of filling yourself up and keeping yourself full. See, I did all this success, all this other stuff to try to keep myself full that I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. Mm-hmm. And you got to work harder on yourself than you do what you're doing in your job. And I can't tell you how many times like I want to give up. I'm like, dude, I'm driving on the road. I'm like, God, I don't want to live. I don't want to live no more. I hate this. Yeah. And like, because that pain. It's like I don't want to become a full blown freaking coke addict. I don't want to be a full blown freaking like alcoholic. I want to. I'm like, trying to fight. I'm trying to fight. I'm trying to fight. And it's like I, I could. I didn't know what to do anymore. But just there, just free. So you were free. You had that realization. What was it like talking to your father? It was amazing because my dad was my dad was dying. Uh, he was supposed to be dead like five years before this, but I knew like the last ten years of his life, I gotta talk to my dad. I gotta talk to my dad because I'm the only one that can set him free. Because we have this relationship. I'm his baby. I'm like he did all this stuff for me, and I like everything was like I cut my parents out of my whole career. Like that's like the worst. I have to wake up every day with that now. You know what I mean? Like, like that. Like I could have bought my parents a house. I bought other people's houses. I, I like I could have done so much for my parents. And, like I never did anything for them because of the story. Like I couldn't stand these people, and they loved me so much. So I was able to sit down at at, at his supper table and I said, Dad, I got to talk to you. And I told him my story. And it was the most cool, free thing ever. And my dad struggled. You know what I mean? Like for from his whole life, like. With the story he told himself, well, like from his parents, his mom was an alcoholic, his dad was super hard on him, and he just like carried it down from the generational curse. And uh, the, all I've ever wanted to do is break that generational curse from my grandfather, uh, to, from his grandfather, my great grandfather, yeah. down to my dad, to me, because I was going to pass that on because I'm so much like my dad. And the thing that sucks is like, I always, I hated that. I was like, I don't want to be like my dad, but my dad has so many beautiful traits and characteristics. When I switched my perception and my vision of him to see who he was rather than what I thought he was from the story I created. So he broke down and cried and I I cried. My mom cried and he says, son, we've been trying to tell you this your whole life. Like they've always been there to help me and be there to support me and every, every, through everything. And uh, I said, I know it's, I couldn't receive it. I couldn't see it. Because what I was telling myself and how I created my belief system with the thoughts and thoughts. And you go over and over and over and over again, just like hitting a major league fastball, hitting a baseball. I could step in a batter's box right now in a major league field and hit a 95 mile an hour fastball and I haven't played in 10 years. Like it's just, it's ingrained in there. Yeah. But ingraining that story in there that's, that held me back and it didn't empower me. So now I'm using my story. Like it's, it's, it's interesting because you won't see too many 
It's different with entrepreneurs and successful people, but if you're in a baseball world and you're in the limelight and you're God, you know, like if you're a successful entrepreneur, you're not on TV every night. You're not in front of 50,000 people. You're not, you're not treated like a God. I have girls, you know, little girls in the stands. Will you marry me, Shay, with signs yeah. and, and do autograph signings and uh, for, for kids? And they, they, for, it's insane. And they come to the table and shaking and crying because they got to meet me like I was Justin Bieber or something. There was even, a, wasn't there a poll, Tom Brady or you as the hottest yeah, guy? Dude, yeah, you won. sucks, dude. <laughs> we sucked. Well, you know, they lost the Super Bowl, but it's all right. No. But uh, yeah, I won that poll, even though it's, the, the poll was done before they had the internet, dude, so right? <laughs> they don't have all that stuff now, so I swear. I don't even care. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just for our listeners, the poll was, who is, was it the best looking guy? The best looking guy in New England, Tom Brady or Shea Hillenbrand. We were both rookies. He was New England Patriots, I was the Red Sox. But with only, I'm telling you, the only reason why I, was, I won is because the Red Sox was more popular. Yeah. It was before... <clears throat> It was like Drew, Bled- Drew Bledslow was there, and then uh, Tom Brady was just fixing to take over. And I, a couple guys was in front of me, and I, I just took over for the Red Sox. But the only reason I won is because the Red Sox were more popular at that time. That's all. <laughs> okay, so all this, all this happened. You, you found the realization, and now you're sharing your story. Let's talk about what you're doing now to empower, impact people yeah. as an entrepreneur, speaker. Yeah. So, so I have a plan. I have a. <clears throat> I have it laid out to where I want to start in baseball. And hitting a baseball is the most difficult thing to do in sports. Uh, it's, it's insane. They're doing studies now saying it's like seemingly impossible to hit a major league fastball. It's seemingly humanly impossible with what it takes. Like, I could do it in my sleep. But the reason why I could do it in my sleep is because the process I trained every day mm-hmm. to understand how to master that. What I have, what major league baseball players have, what we trained up, the skills, how we work, you can't get at Harvard. You can't get at MIT. You can't get at the most distinguished institution. What we have, what we train in that field, everything I touch now, I have success. Matter if I get into, I don't have business skills or as, as heightened. I do now, but not before. Uh, entrepreneurship uh, with the game, but I know how to make things work. You know what I mean? Whatever I touch, I know how to make things work. So I'm taking that process orientation and I created a four-step focus formula that, that correlates to everything but it, 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 it connects the coaching and the players now it helps the players I want to teach the players how to work I want to help entrepreneurs what it takes to get to where you want to go it's the it's the time blocking it's the grind it's the specific focus having a routine like when I played major league baseball man like I woke up at nine in the morning went to bed at midnight every single day when I was playing in the major leagues I could tell you exactly verbatim every single day what I did when I woke up, all the way from waking up to taking two bottles of water. Then after two bottles of water, 15 minutes later, I take a protein shake. And then 45 minutes later, I go downstairs from the hotel and I go on a walk. Like, it's insane what you do to get a system in place, a schedule. It's insane. It's, it's like, it's insane, you know, And, and it can't just be whatever. Like if you accomplish that first hour, if you win the first hour of your day, you win the day. And the importance of that. So what we're doing is we're starting in baseball, and we're doing a, a, the against all odds hitting experiences, yep. traveling around. But what's cool is we're creating a cool. Uh, <clears throat> it's not, but my concept is to try to make it like a Tony Robbins experience, yeah. right? So I can't even say like, dude, that dude's a master, like insane. So we're changing the state of minds of these kids, and then we're getting them connected with their true story, and they're getting them, we're getting them strategies to implement to go and grow. That's it. Go and grow. Go and grow. <laughs> there you go. This is a tagline for our, for our nonprofit. But in, in return through these experiences, we're, we're leaving them with curriculum to stay connected because that's the missing link with kids nowadays. 
It's insane the statistics with kids, with, with suicide, with everything that's going on. It all revolves around the process and how to build self-confidence and self-worth and using the platform of baseball to do that. Yeah, you're using your platform and your story, your experience to yeah. help others. And you're teaching baseball, but it's beyond that. It's, it's, you can Way use this that. for everything. Yep. Entrepreneurship, yep. no matter what, whatever you're doing, yep. this step formula works. Yep. So we're, we're, uh, we're, we're doing that. We're implementing life skills, uh, you know, whether it's confidence. I was writing them down on the way here. Uh, did like seven or eight different bullet points to touch on that, that we take for granted, but the kids don't know. You know what I mean? So we're doing that, and, and as well, I'm doing a real estate a baseball academy in Mexico. Yep. Uh, we, we, we help the kids down there in Mexico. I work with kids up in uh, Canada, and eventually we're going to take this, uh, roll this experience slash curriculum that we're creating and rolling it out uh, across the country just to be able to help these kids develop and stay connected through our website uh, uh, with, with, with different videos, with different portals, just to... And all, and all this goes back to for your nonprofit against all odds. Yep. So with all this, it goes to fund this and to be able to help more people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, to reach us, it's uh, shayhillenbrandinternational.com or againstalloddsfoundation.org. But as well, we're doing real estate. So I got into real estate, dabbling on that. It's the second passion that I have. Yeah. Uh, I've done a plethora of, of multi-million dollar transactions playing, so I've got a lot of experience with that, ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I bought a house in Boston uh, that was absolutely ridiculous because they never tell, they tell you never buy a house unless you're in a multi-year contract. I was never in a multi-year contract. It was that year, my first year, my third year when I was making $3.8 million. I bought a house, uh, a beautiful house. And three months after I bought it, uh, brand new, four stories, I got traded. Went to L.A. I got traded here in Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. so uh, luckily uh, with that transaction, I had celebrity status. And somebody bought it within two days because it was a Red Sox player's house. That is funny. So I recouped my investment there, but uh, have lost since then. And now you're selling real estate. Selling real estate, doing that, and revenue generated uh, through the transactions of purchase or sells the home, go to help fund my nonprofit. My purpose, if I can do it, um, I would love to fill it. I would love to go teach, motivate, mentor, inspire, empower, and just just help people. I mean, I, help people. I mean, everything you're doing, I love it because it's all going back to against all odds, helping other people, and using your story. I think everybody should. We all have a story, but you have an amazing story that can impact so many people, even people that went from baseball to transition. I mean, the transition from professional baseball to real reality is. It's hard for people. It's, it's really difficult. And that's like 90% of players. And what happens when you, when you go in, you have a vision of the future. And this, I mean, this is military. This is, this is people that, that are in positions where you have to sell and immerse yourself totally into this environment of what you're trying to achieve. And if you have success at the highest level, if you're in the military and you're in action uh, and then something happens, or if you're being a professional athlete, you walk in one day and one day they said, hey, the skipper wants to see you. Uh, go in there and he says, hey, the numbers are this or that. Uh, you're gone. When you wake up the day, you have a vision of the future like, oh my gosh. And then that afternoon, you're gone. You pack your bags and you leave. That vision has been stripped of you. And if you've been living your life and if you've been swinging the bat a million times and if you've been immersed into this and having success at that level for so long and that vision gets stripped, your mind gets twisted. Mm-hmm. Your mind gets twisted. For one, you get scared. And you don't think people can relate because it's like, what do I do? I was doing this and this and that's all I know how to do. And when your mind gets twisted, you live in the past. So what we're trying to do is it's pretty cool with our foundation. One of our outreaches, we're helping players transition out of the game. You want to, with this, be able to help people from going from top of their game to 
transition into the basically real world yeah. and like what you've done so they can create their own career doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is get these guys to, to close one chapter and open up a new chapter with the training that we have of that platform. So with the buck doesn't stop there with just helping these guys. So we're creating a relationship with these guys and helping them out because we know what to do. We have resources. We have mentors within our foundation, whether it's real estate, whether it's sales, whether it's a lot of these guys don't even know how to do a resume. A lot of these guys don't even know how to do an interview. It's, it's pretty sad. So we're giving the family help. Well, we got a, we got a pastor on board. We got a counselor on board. We got all this stuff to, to kind of like mentors to help these guys. Okay. What do you like to do? But in return, what we're doing is using these guys as mentors and leaders for the kids yeah. at our foundation. That's what's cool. It kind of comes full circle. It's a domino effect. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're helping them. They're helping others. Well, 100%. So that's, that's where it is. And, and what better person is a person that's been on top, has been through diversity, to help kids going through diversity, uh, to be able to connect and understand. Yep. Not, you can't get these successful guys that have never been through nothing. You know what I mean? There's yeah. millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. They can't relate, man. I'm sorry. They can't relate. Yeah. Might create a cool experience, but they can't relate what it's like not to eat or wanting to kill yourself or, yeah. or these thoughts these kids go through. So we've created a platform with being a professional athlete. And what's happened is a lot of baseball players, a lot of athletes fall victim to that. Uh, they allow that platform to create their identity. And that's where it happens because you live in the past. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a professional athlete. I'm an entrepreneur. Like I said, I'm a father of five. I'm a, I'm a cheer dad. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, I love to speak all that stuff because I've learned how to transition and close one chapter and open another one. Because I've got so much more of my life to left to live. I'm not a base, but it's such a small part of your life. But we were trying to help these guys leverage the platform and create a brand to transition into the real to world. To a new life. Give us an advantage over our competition with whatever we're trying to do to leverage that platform and create a brand, right? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just going up and then dropping to the yeah. bottom. Yeah. I mean, you went to the bottom, but you, you brought your, your way yeah. back. But, but I don't know what it is. I love to teach. I love to understand. I understand what going through it, why I did it. What, like, I beat so many demons in my life. You know, whether it's uh, sexual sin, whether it's so many different things, whether all these things that I, like, I beat them and I understood the, the mindset and the process of what it takes to communicate to other people to, to provide value to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've had so many people ask me for money. Can you help me with this? No. What I can help you with is far greater than what money can do. Yep. Let me help you get your life straight. Understand, because I've been there, not because I'm some guru. I've done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I, I want to utilize my experiences. Just to That's help. worth more. I mean, that can yeah. help somebody become a millionaire again. So experience so much. And, you know, I'm excited for everything for the show to come out for success in your city because yeah. your story and everything put together, oh, my God. Like, for what we did and the crew and, and just capturing your story, which is amazing, it's going to help so many people. And that's why I think everybody out there has a story and if they can learn how to communicate it to others and help others because there's people like you that have been through that and they haven't figured out how to make it back up, right? And just like in entrepreneurship, that's why I love sharing the story because there's people that have been through that and they haven't figured out how to make it back up. So inspire all of you to to tell your story more and communicate with others. And and Shay here is a great speaker. I mean, we, we just did the fundraiser, raised a bunch of money for the Boys and Girls Club, had fun. You're speaking a lot of events. You're doing some amazing things. So before we go, but before I have him give the best advice... Go to againstalloddsorg correct? Against All Odds Foundation. Foundation. Yeah. Against All Odds Foundation. And check out everything there. Give a donation and support everything he's doing. Just amazing things, helping the kids out. But I want to ask you, your everything you've gone through, professional baseball, making millions, losing millions, a zoo, 
speaking, real estate, all of it. What would be your best advice for a young entrepreneur out there looking to just have success in life? You think about the top one, two, three things. What would you tell them right now to help them change their life around? It's it's it's, it's interesting. It's a great question. What came to my mind that I allow myself to receive and have whatever. What came to my mind is purpose. Uh, establishing your why and your purpose. Pursuing something that drives you, that 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 ticks you, that that you know it, it just makes you go. And the, and the money will be the byproduct. A lot of us try to, to we're doing a Facebook ads, we're doing all this stuff, we're doing all this training just to seek the dollar. And that dollar is empty. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship, the, the, being an entrepreneur, like it's you got to put yourself in a position that your why is strong enough to where what you're pursuing, you don't need an alarm clock. Uh, I don't remember the last time I used an alarm clock. My why gets me up. Yeah. And the thing that sucks is a lot of times my why gets me up at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. And I can't sleep. So what am I doing at that time? Sitting there with a chair? No, I put my earphones on and learn more or I'm going to write and stuff. It's because I know what I'm doing. I never did that with baseball. Yeah. Like like the misery with baseball like like drove me to like, oh, I hate it. I hated every aspect of my dream as a kid. But that's not what I was supposed to do. So so your why has got to push you, your purpose, and, and, and pursue it. And don't be afraid to fail. You have to fail yourself to the top. Fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. Get out there. You got to jump, like Steve Harvey says. You got to jump. You got to do it. Like I have no idea how I hit in front of fifty thousand people, fielding a ground ball at third base. My first ground ball in the major leagues. I made an error throwing the ball to first base. I didn't throw it over the over the first baseman's head. I threw it in the stands. Like, like you got to do it. But you got better from that. You got to. You got to. You got to fail forward. So many people are afraid to fail. So many people are worried about what other people think. Uh, if you're worried about what other people think, check this out. 80% of people don't give a crap what's going on with you. And the other 15%, 20% are glad it ain't them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So, like, nobody cares. Whether you've got problems, whether you fail or whatever, you've got to fail. Fail forward. Keep going and keep driving. But you won't be able to keep going and keep driving if you're why and you're not pursuing what you're supposed to do. And utilize what you got. Everybody's been given talents. Whether it's by the universe, God, whatever you believe. Everybody has talents that are different. Identifying those talents and mastering those talents. Working your tail off on those talents. Like this is the last thing I'd be thinking I'd be doing is speaking. Like I, I'm always like trying to master my speaking and get better and get better and get better and get better because I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And utilize those talents to make somebody else's life better. That's it. That's the key to success. That's good stuff, man. And live to grind. That's it. You gotta grind. But live you can't to... grind if you don't pursue something that you don't that want you, to. you want to Does do. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's why you do what you love and then grind in the industry. I mean, how many times in Scottsdale you're sitting there like, dude, like, oh, when you go to bed at night, I'm sure there's times like, gosh, this is like, but you just grind through that purpose because that's what's so deep inside you. And it's just going to be your bigger why. Your why is what drives you. Great stuff. Guys, listen to this. Listen to it twice. Great show about your why, about living the grind, but also not just doing it for the money. Because as we learned here today, you know, even if you're on the top of your game and have all the money, you may not be happy. Mm-hmm. So doing things that really mean the most to you, being fulfilled, and, and that story you tell yourself, make sure it's the right story. You're not going down this path and, yeah. and not being happy because of something that you keep telling yourself. Mm-hmm. So you got to give. You got you to you gotta give. And the more you give, as you know, the more you get back in return. You, like I did that. Like I, when I made so much money, I didn't give because I was, I was empty. But, but, but since I played, I give now. 
Because I know that's the key to success. That's the secret formula. Every billionaire, you have to give. To operate on a realm and have stuff downloaded, to operate on that level, you have to give. And stuff comes to you like... It comes back. People are coming to me like, dude, like, do you get like a PhD in this stuff? Like, <laughs> that stuff I learned, you come from a textbook. Yeah. It's because it's just, I just want to have a passion to give and, and help. you got to help. That's what we're about. We're a community. And that's what I love about the entrepreneurs that are around you, the events you have. Yeah. Uh, everybody wants to give, provide value and help. And it's, and it's a cool experience. It's a cool family and it's a great feeling. Well... I want to acknowledge you for everything you've done, what you've accomplished, and the fucking shit you've been through <laughs> to get here and tell this story today because it's going to definitely help a lot of listeners. And I hope all of you take this to heart and just think about how it can help you in your own story and your journey. Reach out to him, everything he's doing, shayhillandbrandinternational.com. Just a great guy, and I can't wait till you guys see the show in 2019 for success in your city. As always, you know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Bernie C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone. Wow. What a story. What an amazing story. Shay Hillenbrand is a man. I cannot wait. 2019 when we release episode for him in success in your city. Just an amazing story. So much to take away from this. If you want to check it out, everything, and we'll even see the video. We had this recorded via video. If you want to check that out, just go to livetogrind.com. You can see all the details on this episode, livetogrind.com forward slash 324, and see us on video doing this show. And also, check out everything he's doing, shayhillenbrandinternational.com. Or if you want to make a donation to his nonprofit, go to www.againstalloddsfoundation.org. Shay's a great guy. Follow him on social media. See what he's doing. If you're interested in having him come speak, I highly suggest it. Uh, you know, I've heard his story, shared the stage with him. He shared the stage with us and Kevin Harrington. Amazing individual that I know can make an impact in your life. And uh, just just reach out to him. A great guy. And I hope you're enjoying all this. This is amazing. Three years for podcasting. Three years of podcasting. It's just so crazy how quick this journey goes. Who would have thought that I'm sitting down with a professional baseball player asking his journey and how it's led into entrepreneurship. All the people that have been on the show from Kevin Harrington to Lewis Howes to Shea Hillenbrand to many other great individuals and what's to come with this. I'm so excited. If you have any feedback for me, or thoughts, or anybody you'd like to have on the show, let me know, Brandon at BrandonTAdams.com. And uh, let's continue to live to grind. It's been quite the journey. Sam and I head to Austin, Texas tomorrow. We're heading out to Austin, Texas, and I think we may have our entrepreneur. Join us on the journey at successinyourcity.com. And uh, yeah, live to grind out there. Make sure you're all living to grind your own way. And remember this story from Shay that are you doing it for the right reasons? That's all I got for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, it is time for you to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.